turn to, we're going to turn to John chapter 18. It's on page 1086. If you've got one of the Bibles you were given as you came in. John chapter 18. And just before we um, read the passage and then try and understand it together and ask that God would speak to us, I, I, I do just want to, I want to ask you how you, um, how hungry are you this afternoon? I don't mean physically. I mean, how hungry are you that God would speak to you? We've just sung that this word is food for famished souls. And this afternoon, my prayer is that God would feed you. But the thing is, you only really want to be fed if you're hungry. You see, what if, right, just imagine, what if God, the creator God of the whole universe, the God of all beauty and wonder and love, the God who made you and who wants to satisfy you, imagine God had food for you and he said, I've got something for you. And you weren't hungry enough to want it. So this afternoon, I'm going to pray, and I want to invite you to pray with me that God would stir up within us a hunger for him. But I get it, sometimes it's hard, isn't it, to concentrate. Sometimes it's hard to focus. Sometimes our minds are distracted. But God has something so good for you this afternoon. So I plead with you, will you listen? And when you find yourself beginning to drift away, come back. There is something so good God has for us. So let me lead us in prayer. And let's ask that God would speak. Father, please, show us Christ. Holy Spirit, please, come and help us see. Father, please don't just intellectually fill our minds. Please would you stir our hearts. Please would you move us and change us, we pray. For the glory of Jesus. Amen. All right, here we go. John chapter 18. We're working our way through John's gospel. This is where we got to. If it's the first time here, you're here for a good bit of John. John chapter 18, it's all good. Verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves, judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. 
But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Well, what do we make of this? Here is Jesus on trial. And I've got to say to you, right, there's a really juicy little thing in this passage, which as a preacher, it's very difficult not to lock onto and go, right, that's it. Because Pilate says, what is truth? I mean, what a question, right? Even if you're not a preacher, and I get that lots of you aren't preachers, but even if you're not, surely you can see that's a good question. And that's the sort of thing that we go, oh, yeah, let's talk about truth. Let's talk about kind of uh, a philosophical issue about truth. Where do we find truth? We live in a post-truth world. Let's talk philosophically. Let's talk about these issues. But I don't think that's what John wants us to do. Because philosophy will never leave you, lead you to Jesus. Philosophy, human understanding, trying to work things out, it will never lead you to Jesus because John wants you to see something else. So before we get to that great question, I want us to step back and say, what does this show us about Jesus, and in particular, Jesus on trial? Why does John spend so much time telling us about the trial of Jesus? It's funny trials, isn't it? They are quite captivating. When someone is on trial, I think it's one of Big John's big themes, actually. In the whole of John's gospel, you again and again find that Jesus is being put on trial. It first happens back in chapter 5 when Jesus heals a man on a Sabbath and the religious leaders come and put him on trial and say, who do you think you are breaking the Sabbath rules? And Jesus offers a defense. He says, I'm the son of God, and they don't like that. And over and over again in John's gospel, he's on trial. Happens again in chapter 9 when he heals a blind man. Happens again in chapter 11 when he raises a man from the dead. He's on trial. He's on trial, and it all climaxes here in this trial. So let's think about what happens when you put something on trial. We do this all the time. Not in a legal sense, but we put things on trial. And when you put something on trial, this is what you do. You have your understanding of reality. You have your grid. You have your perspective. And then you look at the thing that you're putting on trial, and you try and categorize it, and you look at it through your lens. Okay, let me try and explain. I'm going to show you a picture. What is this? What is that? What is it? It's a cow. It's clearly not a cow, is it? But here's the weird thing. It is a cow. How's that a cow? This really bothered me when when my kids were small. 
Because I'd get a thing like that, and I'd wiggle it in their faces, and I'd go, moo, cow. And then we'd drive along the motorway, and I'd point to a thing in a field, and I'd go, look, it's a cow. And I'm somehow expecting my two-year-old to connect that big black and white animal in a field with this thing which isn't a cow. Now, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. The way that we think is in categories. We have categories, and our categorization of things is such that you can look at that and go, it's a cow. Because you've got this box, you've got this, you've got this grid called cow, and you put everything through it, and every time you look at you something, you think, is it a cow or not? Everything in your life. You, you do it quite quickly, but it's true, right? In a moment, you go, cow, cow, no, no cow. And yet you look at this and you go, cow, cow, verdict, verdict, I'm just on trial, is this thing, yes, you're a cow, I'll give you the name cow. Which means that if you saw someone pick up that toy, which is gone, if you saw someone pick up that toy and wave it in a kid's face going, meh, meh, you'd go, no, that's all wrong. That's wrong because it's not a sheep, it's a cow. Now here's the point. We do that about all sorts of things. We see things and we read them through the grid of our reality, our categories. So the first time you eat quinoa, right? You don't know what it is. No one knows what it is. You go, what is this? And the only way of understanding it is to sort of put it in a category. I guess it's like couscous. Couscous is probably the closest thing. It must be like couscous. I'll put it in the couscous bracket. And we're categorizing things all the time. And that is what people do with Jesus. Here is Jesus. And you meet Jesus for the first time, and you think to yourself, well, what box am I going to put him in? What category is Jesus going to fit in? And you put him on trial. You sit in judgment on him, and you decide what you think you make of him. We talk like this all the time. What do you make of Jesus? What's your verdict on Jesus? What is your opinion about Jesus? And I think that John, in John chapter 18, is giving us a trial, and we're supposed to go, wow, that's what I'm doing all the time. I put Jesus on trial, and I pass my verdict on what I think about who he is. But what we're going to see in John chapter 18 is that Jesus takes your categories and he blows them apart. He takes your categories and he messes them up because he will not fit. And I want to show you two big categories that Jesus kind of blows apart. Firstly, he blows apart our religious categories. So let's have a look at the trial. Let's get into this, uh, having set all that stuff in place. I, I just want us to look now carefully at what's going on. In verse 28, look what it says. The Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. 
By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, We would not have handed him over to you. So the place we start this story is with the religious leaders. All right? They have put Jesus on trial. We began to see this last week. Here are the religious leaders who've examined Jesus. They've been doing it all the way through John's gospel. And what they're doing is they're taking their religious grid, the way they view the world, and they're saying, okay, let's apply that to Jesus, and they're finding that Jesus just doesn't fit. And it's driving them mad. In fact, to such an extent, look, I want you to see this, there's something very ironic and very strange that as they come to the Roman governor, do you see what they're most concerned about? They're concerned about being unclean. You see, for a Jew to go into the home of a Gentile, Roman, that would make them unclean. And that would mean they couldn't then enter the, uh, uh, celebrate the Passover meal. And so their religious categories are saying, we must behave this way, we must act this way. And yet at the very same time, they are trying to fulfill their religious observances. They are busy handing over the Son of God to be executed to death. I mean, that's ironic, right? That's weird. But I think what we're being shown is just how much Jesus refuses to fit the categories that the religious leaders want to put him in. You see, right back in chapter 5, I mentioned it earlier, the first big category Jesus blew up was the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the day that God gave to his people to enjoy him and to celebrate him. But the religious leaders of Jesus' day had taken the Sabbath and had made it a day of rules and a day of restriction and a day of duty and obligation. A day of performance. And Jesus came and he healed a man on the Sabbath and it blew their categories. And they were like, who do you think you are? Breaking our rules. And Jesus says, well, my father's always been working, and so am I. And Jesus claims to be equal with his father, and so he takes this Sabbath and he blows it apart. And now, you see, they've got these categories of uncleanness. They want to make sure that they're clean. And so they care a lot about ritual cleanliness. They care a lot about the rules that they perform. They care a lot about the Passover, celebrating the great feasts that they remember when God rescued them out of Egypt. They've got these categories, but Jesus won't fit into them. Because what were good gifts that God gave to his people, Sabbath, cleanness, Passover, what were good gifts had been turned into a performance had been turned into a ritual in themselves that had nothing to do with the heart. And this is what always happens when religion goes wrong. Religion becomes an opportunity for gaining power, an opportunity for gaining status, an opportunity for, for pride. 
And Jesus says, I want nothing to do with that. And so when Jesus comes into this world, he messes up their categories. And so they sit in trial. They sit in judgment on him and say, you're condemned. And it's bizarre, you see, because they haven't even, <laughs> they don't even have the language. So it, when Pilate says to them, what charge are you bringing? They just say, well, if he wasn't a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. They haven't got an answer. They don't even know what he's done wrong. What's this guy done wrong? We don't know, but he really offends us. And I want to say to you, if you're going to take Jesus seriously, he will step on your religious toes. You do have religious toes. You know that, don't you? Even if you're not a Christian here, you still have religious toes. Your religious toes are the toes that say, <laughs> now we've got talking toes. Don't know how we ended up here. Your religious toes are the toes that say, good people, they're the ones that God loves. And people who keep the rules, they're the ones who God loves. They're the, that's your religious toes. The sort of toes that say to you, you deserve for God to be pleased with you. Aren't you a good person? The sort of toes like little Jack Horner who sat in a corner eating a pie. He stuck in his plum and pulled out a thumb and said, stuck in his stuck in his thumb and pulled out a plum and said, what a good boy am I? The religious toes, the toes that say, aren't you good? Aren't you good? Aren't you good? God loves good people. Jesus comes and he tramples all over your religious toes because this is what Jesus comes and says, let's talk cleanness, shall we? You are unclean. No, 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 we didn't go into Pilate's house. Doesn't matter. You're unclean. You have a heart that's unclean. You have a heart that is filthy with sin. You are filthy within. You're dirty inside. You are unclean and you need to be made clean. Ow! They're my religious toes. Jesus says, You are lost. And you need to be found. He says you are condemned and you need to be saved. He says you are blind and you need to be healed. They are your religious toes. Because we love to think that if there is a God, I'm certainly good enough for him. And you may well find at points in your life that you will sit in judgment on Jesus. And Jesus will act in ways. You read about things that he does. You say, oh, I don't like that. Or perhaps things will happen in your life and you might find yourself saying to Jesus, how dare you do that? How dare you treat me like that? How dare you say that? How dare you ask me that? How dare you, Jesus? Because Jesus doesn't fit the categories that we want him to fit in. And this afternoon, Jesus wants to turn it completely around. And says, you don't get to sit in judgment on me. I sit. I sit over you. And I call you to, to get in line with me. So Jesus smashes apart your religious categories. He tramples on our religious toes. Have you ever been offended by Jesus? If you've never been offended by him, it may be you've never truly understood what he's saying. Because he is deeply offensive. And he will not just fit into your categories. 
So he's dealt with the religious leaders, and they've now brought him to Pilate. But you see, Pilate doesn't care about religion. Pilate doesn't give a stuff. He doesn't believe in God. He doesn't believe in the Jewish God. He's not interested in anything about that. Well, look how Jesus deals with Pilate. Pilate's still got his categories. But Pilate's categories are not the categories of of religion. They're the categories of the world. They're the categories of power and authority and who's in control. And so Pilate speaks to Jesus. And Pilate, the the first thing, well, just just before we get to that, notice, um, sorry, just notice at the end of the religious leaders bit, um, Pilate says, take him next, judge him by, by your own law. They say we have no right to execute anyone. That's not actually true. Well, at least a few chapters later in the Bible, in Acts, they do execute Stephen. So what was going on there? How come they could execute Stephen, but they had no right to execute Jesus? What, why? How did they execute Stephen? What did they do to execute Stephen? They stoned him. They threw stones at him. That was the only, that was the only way that they had the right to execute anyone. But Jesus said he wasn't going to be stoned. Jesus said he was going to be lifted up. That's a Roman way to die. And so Jesus knew, and and (laughs) this was all taking place to fulfill. So even as they're trying to accuse him, they're trying to do him down, and they're like, no, we want you to be crucified. That's the worst way to die. We want the Romans to kill you. Jesus says, yeah, that's actually what I said was going to happen all along. Because Jesus is the one who's supremely in control. And even when you sit in judgment on him, he is still working out his purposes. Because it's as Jesus dies on the cross that he makes the unclean clean. And he makes the blind to see. And he makes the condemned to be saved. It's Jesus when he's lifted up that suddenly you realize who he truly is. So here they are trying to kill Jesus. And Jesus is simply fulfilling the very mission he came to do, which was to die to save us. But now let's get on to Pilate. So Pilate goes back inside. He talks to Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? I love Jesus' answer. He knows what's going on. So is that your own idea? Um, or did others talk to you about me? Come on, Pilate. You don't care about this, do you? Let's, get to the, let's cut to the chase here. And Pilate goes, yeah, I'm a Jew. I don't care. What have you done? Why are they so angry with you? What's their problem? And at this point, Jesus could have gone, you know what, Pilate, they are being quite mean. I'm just, I'm just a carpenter. And uh, I've got, I've, you know, I'm no threat to anyone, Pilate. And Pilate would have gone, you know what, Jesus, you're right. You're no threat to anyone. Off you go. But instead, Jesus says this. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. And again, you can imagine Pilate going, crunch, crunch, crunch. What is going on? Why are you saying these things? Why won't you act like I expect you to act? Why won't you fit into the categories I've got? Because you're standing here, one little bloke, a carpenter from Nazareth who's not that impressive, and now you're saying, my kingdom is not of this. Jesus, you don't have a kingdom. Not by any worldly measure do you have a kingdom. And Jesus says, yeah, but I do. I do have a kingdom. And I have a kingdom that you don't know anything about. 
Because the trouble is, we judge Jesus by the categories of this world. And so we say, king, oh, I know what a king is. Kings are powerful. Kings are strong. Kings ride on big horses. Kings are mighty. And then we look at Jesus and go, well, you're not really a king because you don't look like a king. But Jesus says, no, you need to see a new reality. He says, if my kingdom were of this world, then I'd just join in like the world. My servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. I'd just be like all the other kingdoms. Let's have a fight. Let's prove the power. Let's see who wins. The strongest and the fittest are the best, and they win. But Jesus says, no, my kingdom's from another place. Pilate's going, what are you talking about? So he says, well, you, you are a king then. And still Jesus won't answer straight. Come on, Jesus. Why won't you give him the answer he wants? Because Jesus won't bow to this man. You say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Here is the staggering claim. Look, you've got to feel this. Jesus is... Okay, let's try this. Okay, this is a thought experiment that might not go right. But we'll give it a go. I want you to imagine there was no such thing as light. Only darkness. And darkness was the only reality that any of us had ever experienced. We live in darkness. Everything is dark. And we're used to the dark. In fact, we don't even have a name for the dark because it's... Just it. This is our experience. We just get on with life. And we go about our lives in darkness and we've adapted and we've found ways to do things. And then suddenly someone comes into our world and says, I'm the light. And we go, oh, you're the light. Well, what sort of darkness is that? Do you mean that you're a very powerful bit of darkness? Is that what light means? Do you mean that you're sort of the ruler of darkness? Is is, is that what you mean? Because I'm struggling here because I have no category for light. I don't know what light is. I, I can only think in terms of what I know. No, I'm the light. And I've come to bring light. And everybody who joins me finds light. Everyone who comes to me moves from darkness to light. And when Pilate says, what is truth? It's like in our thought experiment saying, but what is light? I don't even know what that is. I think when Pilate says, what is truth? It's not an existential crisis question of philosophical, wow, what is truth? I think he's saying, I don't know what category you're talking about. I don't know what you mean by truth. That's not the world I operate in. And Jesus says, I've come into this world to bring something that you could never know on your own. That's why us sitting over here in dark going, I wonder, I wonder if there's something else. We will never reason our way to light. All we will ever reason our way to is another form of darkness, right? That's all you can get to. 
If you're in darkness, all you can move towards is more darkness, perhaps a cleverer darkness or a deeper understanding of darkness or a more impressive-sounding darkness, but you'll never end up with light. The only way that you could ever experience light is if it came from somewhere else, and it broke into the darkness. That's the big claim of John's gospel. The big claim is that humanity does not have the category to experience God because we live in the darkness. And into that darkness, the light has come. That's what John said right at the start of his gospel. And the darkness has not understood the light. It's not overcome the light. There's a clash. And the great danger is that darkness simply rejects the light and says, I don't think light exists. Not interested. And that's what Pilate does. And I think the reason that you get both the religious and Pilate the world is to show that the rejection of Jesus is complete. Both religiously and worldly, all of humanity rejects this one. And so Pilate goes back outside again, finds the Jews gathered there, says, I find no basis for a charge against him. You guys are having a laugh. There's nothing here. So why doesn't he release him? Instead, he says, it's your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they shout back, no, we want Barabbas. Why do they want Barabbas? Because they understand Barabbas. They know what he is. We get Barabbas. He's one of us. He's one of us. And he may be a bad one of us, but he's one of us. We'll take him. And here is the great tragedy of humanity. That when God himself came into the world, we put him on trial and we rejected him. Because he didn't fit what we wanted him to be. So as we wrap this up, let me say to you this afternoon, Jesus will not be what you want him to be. He really won't. And if you try and make Jesus what you want him to be, you will find that he just won't fit. Jesus won't do the things you want him to do. Jesus won't dance to the tune that you want him to dance to. Jesus won't give you the things that you want him to give you. Jesus won't be what you want him to be. Because he doesn't answer to you. You don't put him on trial. That's what John is showing us in John's gospel. And if that all sounds a bit negative... You've got to remember who he is. He's the light of the world. He's the son of God. He's the eternal one. He's the lamb of God. He's the beautiful one. And he comes to you and says, if you will believe me, then I will be for you the light that brings light to your darkness. Jesus says, if you will believe in me, I will be the one who makes you clean on the inside and the out. I will be the one who takes you from darkness to light, from condemnation to the place of salvation. Jesus says, I will do that for you, if you will believe in me. So this afternoon, the question is simple. Jesus has come into the world 
to testify to the truth, to tell us what we could never know on our own. Jesus has come into this world to reveal God to us, the God who made you and loves you, and the God who sent Jesus for you. Everyone on the side of truth listens to him. Which means that everybody in this room either listens to Jesus or rejects him. That's it. There is no neutral ground where you go, well, I'm not sure. Pilate wasn't sure. And not being sure leads to rejecting him. Every time. And so coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I don't want to sit in judgment on you. I want you to be the one who's my light. And this afternoon, perhaps you find yourself and you look in your own heart and you see there's a little bit of Pilate in you. There's certainly a bit of Pilate in me. I don't like that, Jesus. I don't want you to do that, Jesus. I don't like you saying that, Jesus. I don't want you to be like that, Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, but I'm the light. And I've come to give you life. So this afternoon, let's, let's take this seriously. And let's ask that we would see Jesus for who he truly is. And in fact, that we'd stick out our little toes and let him trample all over them. Say, Jesus, trample on my toes. And show me what's true. Show me what's good. Show me what's beautiful. Let Jesus blow apart your categories. Because then you'll meet God. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we pray this afternoon that you would please take our categories, the categories that are about our preferences and our desires and the things that we like and the things that make us feel good. Father, we pray you take our categories and you blow them apart and that we would let Jesus shape our lives, that we'd let Jesus be king, that we'd let Jesus be the one who directs and shapes everything that we do. Lord Jesus, please come and reign in our lives. Father, please would we not sit in trial. Please would we not put Jesus on trial. But please would we let him examine and change us. And we ask it in his name. Amen.